Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to My Millennial Answers. Welcome to the show, Australia and the world. We've got listeners everywhere, John. We have, Glenn. USA. I tell you what's building up, bloody New Zealand. Is it? Yeah. Imagine Over if the we did ditch. A, imagine if we did a live episode in the ditch. South Island. In the ditch. The Over the ditch. Yeah. Mm. Today we've got Sean Wellman from Wellman Finance. G'day, Sean. How are you? Welcome, Sean. Good Thanks, John. Good to see you going global. Yes. <laughs> Johnny Boy's hitting the big stage, isn't he? Yeah. Only a matter of time. Wellington or Queenstown? Oh, Queenstown, probably. I don't know. Queenstown's the... I'm, I booked a ticket to... Auckland the other day. Doesn't surprise me. Anyway. Good back, spot. Back to the show, but what up, New Zealand? Thanks for listening. Yeah. And today on My Millennial Answers, I wanted to just focus on almost the 101 back to basics on mortgages, mortgage broking, how that world works. I put a question up on Instagram. I've got a heap of responses, so I'm just going to cherry pick them. I haven't given you guys any notice. Sorry, not sorry. But before we do... It's unusual. Yeah. Because no, usually right. gives hate. Usually I'm prepared yeah. for you, John. Yes. Now, the Sean, sheet. you may have heard us talk about Sean Wellman. Sean, you support My Millennial Money Property. Yep. So, thank you so much for getting behind our other podcast. Been great to be involved. Yeah. I've uh, really enjoyed the involvement. And, uh, and you're starting to meet a lot of our listeners and... Yeah, they've been great, actually. I mean, anyone that generally listens to a podcast and on the train or on the way to work or whatever, uh, generally want to get educated, um, learn, yeah. rather than listen to Spotify and that. So we find Unless that... Unless they're listening to the podcast on Spotify, shout yeah, out Spotify. Yeah, we are on Spotify. <laughs> oh, we? through yeah. Spotify. You know yeah. what I mean, yeah, though. Yeah, music, you know, whatever. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. They're, not, they're not going through their, their playlist. Yeah. They're yeah. listening to a podcast. And uh, I've been really impressed mm. um, yeah. with the people that have sort of come to Well, I guess come to you're not listening to this because you've jumped in the car and it's come up on the radio and we're between ad breaks or whatever. Mm. Like you've actually gone intentional. I want to be encouraged. I want to be motivated. Yeah. And I want to learn. I want to know more about this topic. So. And when you're in Melbourne, this great city that we're in currently, Glenn, Mm. you get two hours each way (laughs) to listen to podcasts on your way to work, don't you? Because of the traffic issues. Oh, you're not wrong. If you haven't listened to My Millennial Money Property, punch it into Spotify, punch it into Apple Podcasts, punch it into CastBox, punch it anywhere. Yeah. Okay. So that and that's a that's a cool little podcast that we do. Here's a question here from Candace on Instagram. And remember, you may know the answers to this stuff, but we've got a variety of different listeners. So there's everyone's on their own journey. If you know the answers off the top of your head, use this opportunity during this episode to just focus on your own personal finances, focus on your own situation and what you can improve. So if you're thinking, oh, I'm not going to learn anything, yeah. use it as a half hour carve out to learn. Yep. And, and to, how would I answer that question? Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Do you really need a down payment? What if we have no money to put down? So a person calls you and they say, I want to buy a house. And I will say like you hear a lot of stuff out there. They, like they, there's, 
there's ads that are like rent to buy and all that stuff, right? So there could be genuine uh, thoughts and concepts out there that yeah. I can get a house without a down payment. So it's not this, you've got no money, you're broke type thing. Mm. They could have $50,000 in an investment account, for example. So if someone says, Sean, do I need a down payment to get into this property? What would you generally say? Yeah, I'd say yes. Definitely yes. So okay, when you say question. down deposit. <laughs> can, can we just clarify a sure. down payment? Down payment is a deposit. So your savings, what you're going to contribute to the property. Um, so we would say yes. However, asterisk, um, some people can enter with a minimum deposit if they use a family guarantee. Right. Where they're using the security of their parents' property, um, which effectively... Uh, helps secure their loan and the bank effectively use that as a equity or as a deposit. So there are, but you would generally have to pay the purchase costs uh, associated with that property, whether it's stamp duty and stamp duty as well. So, so question in the, in the most basic terms, the bank want to know if you stop paying, we can sell the asset and get our money back. Correct. And the reason yeah. why they don't generally lend 100% or allow you to not have any security, if you didn't pay the mortgage and there was a downtime in the market, generally speaking, there isn't going to be a variance of 20% That's right. in a purchase price, yep. like broad brushstrokes. Mm. So you've explained it perfectly. But with a family guarantee, then they can, they can call upon the property that you've just purchased which if it doesn't cover the shortfall, then they've got a little backup of some of your parents' property that they've put up as security. Yes, yep. that's so when you So when you say some of the parents' property, they're just taking more of the equity than what they normally would have from your parents' property. It's called a limited guarantee. So it'll just take enough to keep the total loan amount under 80%. Yeah. So, for example, or, uh, if you uh, bought a property for $500,000 and you're borrowing the $500,000, there's no bank in the world that would do that because no. it's a 100% loan. Yep. But then if you secure that by the $500,000 property and then you just take a limited guarantee, so you'd use $125,000, it might be getting a bit complicated, so now that $500,000 loan is secured by $500,000 property plus 125 of your parents, 625, yep. which now it's an 80% loan, the bank's got more comfort. Yep. And you can go and get a loan. So yeah. I want to repeat that just so I'm clear in understanding it. Uh, you could literally buy a $500,000 home if you've got good income to service with no down deposit yourself. You would have that $500,000 mortgage still. And if you wanted to use 125000 or whatever it is of your parents' home, the bank will still lend you the 500k but they've got their clause on 20% of the property value on your parents. on your parents house correct yep that's exactly right yep okay so it's might initially sound like a, a straightforward question but there's so many ways you can weave that too well i guess the other question that candace could have asked is can i buy a property with no security other than the property itself. Yes, and that's uh, no without a um, 
You need a deposit. Yes. Yeah, you need need some savings. Um, the two things the bank look at is your income, can you service a loan, and yeah. equity position, your deposit or down payment that yeah. Candice is talking about. Which the guarantor from the parents comes in that bracket of cash or equity. There's a lot right. of first yeah. home buyers here. Uh, Tegan asks, what financial state should I be in before we meet? Like, should I have a deposit saved? So, an example, I said, what would you ask a mortgage broker is the question on Instagram. And if she was asking you before she meets you, how would you want her financial situation to be before you get that call from her? doesn't really matter because a lot of times people are coming to see us to say what is their position now. And the meeting, the initial meeting is just as much about me finding out what the client's goals are, what you want to do. Do you want to buy a house? Do you want to buy an investment? Okay, let's have a look at your position now. And if you're not in a position to do that and, and it's something that you've, you're striving for, then let's put you in a position that six, 12 months later you can come back and then we can apply for a pre-approval because we had that meeting 12 months prior. Yeah. Are you saving, go away and save more money and then come back when you've got X? Or do you reverse engineer it and say, well, I want to buy in at 400 grand. This is how much I need. But if you're bought in at 300 grand, I could actually go and buy today. Exactly. So we'll give them the... We'll give you the scenarios. Okay, what what are you looking to purchase? Yeah. What's your budget? Okay, well, this is what you can do now, but if yeah. you want to purchase at a higher price, well, this is what you need to be able to put in place. You, yeah. may, you may need to serve, uh, save a greater deposit. You may need to, you know, get that uh, that pay rise, that yeah. 5% pay rise that your boss promised you three years ago. Yeah. Um, these are the things that... Uh, that we'll get some cl- they'll get some clarity around yeah, with a meeting. And and I think it's important because Charlie basically she asked the same question at what stage uh, when planning should I speak to a broker? I would say as well because everyone's situation is so unique. You don't want to apply some I don't know cafe or backyard banter that you've had with loose friends and a friend of a friend made a comment. You don't want to just apply that to you because it could put you on the sidelines when you don't need to be. And the reason I say this is there's a question here from Jessica Small. Although I work full-time, are you hesitant to find a home loan for her because she's still at uni? Now, if she says, in, if she in her own mind had, I'm still at uni, so I can't buy a home, where you could be like, well, the bank's pretty much just want to know that you've got income that's ongoing and a deposit. So can you speak to that situation about particularly being at uni and working still? Doesn't doesn't affect it. It's, it's because the bank's looking at what your full-time employment is, what your regular income is. So if it was if the university was affecting and you're working part-time and your income was down because of that, then yes. But if you've got a full-time income and you're doing on top of that, yeah. you know, pretty busy obviously, and you're starting to try and educate yourself, well that doesn't affect your you know, your chances of getting pre-approved or, or getting into the market. Yeah, and I would just add there that I find most people go to mortgage brokers too late. They're too late in the process. They they think to themselves because they've maybe heard it out at the local barbecue, oh, I'll go and see a mortgage broker when I've saved my deposits and I think I'm ready. Well, you're not a mortgage broker. How about you go and chat to one six months prior who can give you the options, like you mentioned before, Line Sean. the ducks up. Well, that's the, mm. and and it's a, it's a really good point because you the clients that come and see us, they'll either some will think they're not ready, yeah, um, and 
they're well and truly ready. Yes. And then on the on the other other side of the the spectrum, you've got ones that think they can go in and and purchase tomorrow, but they're not even close. Yeah. So it's just getting a real clarity around what's your real position. Mm. And not just assuming that, yes, you can go and purchase or no, you can't. Yeah, Actually, have a look at your tough. real position. Yeah. Yep. So, just on that, um, I've actually, and I was going to tell you this offline, Sean, but I'll tell you now, I got a testimony from a listener and he said, I'll tell you his name after this, 12 months ago, I was sitting at home after a recent job redundancy. I had a newborn son, wife, who was on maternity leave. We'd been saving for a house, but with no income from either of us, they were living off his redundancy payment and their savings, right? It took me until April at the start of this year to find some solid work, and it was around that time I found your podcast. With a wife back at work, we regained some resemblance of of the budget, Um, but like most, the way we had lived and our dreams uh, to save for the house weren't lining up. We had no real control. One night out of frustration, he convinced his wife to buy the spending plan that I've got and she rolled her eyes, you know, another crazy idea. So they got that happening in September. They joined the M3 Facebook community. A couple of weeks later, I referred him to Sean Wellman, in brackets, the legend himself, to chat about mortgage things. Sean spent hours on the phone to me answering all sorts of dumb first homeowner questions, no (laughs) obligations, no pushy sales talk. (laughs) I thought you were selling snake oil over there. Sign Sean Wellman <laughs> yeah, on the bottom. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's his brother. Um, no, no sales at all, like just education. We also dug deep on our spending plan and ended up saving more than they thought. So basically he said, with the help of your spending plan and Sean's expertise, we realized that we could put a, a deposit down on a brand new townhouse off the plan. Mm. We're now all set to go, spending plans on track, home loans ready and chomping at the bit to move into their new home, which will be ready in February uh, and that's Josh Nicholson from Brisbane. Yeah, a really nice couple. Um, but I guess, do yeah. you want to talk to that situation? Because yeah. I lo- like mm. when you when I read this story, I'm thinking you get a, you bloody don't have a job. You are freaking this and that. There's no way that you can get a mortgage, right? Face value. Yeah. But they've fast forward three months and they're in. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So no, talk we to had, us about that. Oh, it was a it was a process, a bit of back and forth. Um, but it was really around. Probably what we're just talking about, um, someone, uh, in this case, Josh and his wife, coming to, to see me and saying, look, we want to purchase in the next 12 or 18 months and, you know, we know we're probably not in a position. And we had a look at their position and I said, well, you're actually pretty close. And they were pretty keen to um, buy a property to live in. Um, uh, just had a young child, wanted to, you know, establish their own space. Uh, they're in Brisbane and so we spoke about some different scenarios and uh, Josh came to me and said, look, we've found a, a townhouse that we really like in the area that we like. And one of the bonuses with that is in, based in Queensland, uh, you also get the, I think it's a $15,000 mm. first homeowner's grant. So that effectively made up, they had enough deposit, but that actually reduced some of their costs in terms of mortgage insurance and that because they were borrowing less. Um, because they had an additional $15,000 to put to a suitable property. Um, and the added bonus for that is that it was actually only about three or four months from completion. So it wasn't like they had to wait 12 months and that right. as well. So they actually got to have a look at some townhouses that were nearly complete right. and actually have a look at the, the product, which I think is a, a real yeah. added bonus. 
and uh, yeah, we applied for pre-approval. We've put everything in place, and uh, now we're just waiting for for the certificate of occupancy. Um, right. And then they can move in. So that's yeah. been a really good story. And again, um, the Nicholsons were just unbelievable because because they'd listened to the podcast, they had a lot of the background information. So they yeah. were asking some. There's no silly questions in this because it's a different language. You don't buy a house every day. No. Well, John does. John. Does. No. I, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I help people. Yeah. <laughs> I was really pleasantly surprised about how much background knowledge they had. Right. And they were asking all the right questions mm. and. Uh, you know that's a that's a really good story yeah. um, about someone sort of thinking. No, they might. I think they're a little bit bit off, but they were a bit closer than what they what yeah, they thought. Cool. Yeah, and I think that's a good story. Then it speaks to you know. There's so many of these questions here. What do I need to do before I call Sean? What do I need to do yeah. before I? Well, we need to take some responsibility. Maybe yeah. you know you can get my spending plan for under seventy dollars. Yeah. You can sort your own finances out. So at least you know if you've living beyond your means to start with and i would probably say if you do a good spending plan or budget and you're spending hundred dollars a week more than what you're actually earning might be a problem there not sure not a scientist but going out on a limb yeah so there are some things that we can do but having the call with the mortgage broker can give you that encouragement to sort your money out to say look if you get to this point here yeah we can dance yeah sure. i think you don't and think not just not treating it as a transaction like where you're just going i've got the money bang i'm going to buy a house i'm going to get a loan it's actually a process yeah and everyone's process is very different yeah in terms of some people will be ready they'll purchase in a month some people will come and see and they'll purchase two and a half years later yeah but that's okay but it's actually working through the scenarios and it's a um and it's a it's a it's a process to, yeah. to buying a house and because yeah, it's, it's a big game. it's a big step for people um, people who have never had a loan before never had a credit card and suddenly they're borrowing a, a large sum of money yeah um, so that's why we've really just focused really on the education getting people people's head around the numbers making sure they understand it and then yeah. when they're ready to buy they'll they'll they'll, they'll purchase so one other thing that I learned from that story. Um, Call me crazy, but I'm sitting in Melbourne right now in your boardroom. About six degrees in here. Yeah, too. Yeah. Jeez, they've turned the air conditioning yeah, I, up. Yeah. I like working in a freezer. I like working in a freezer. You're in Melbourne. These guys, Josh and his lovely wife, are in Brisbane. Am I understanding that you can help people anywhere in Australia? Correct. Yeah, yep, sweet. Absolutely. So, so what? Yeah, what we do. A lot of people like a, a Skype call. Um, uh, phone phone conversation. I do get into state, so when I am in that state, I'll always call up and say good day. Um, and then, but but one thing you do do when you do a pre approval or you lodge an application is you have to have face to face identification. Sure. So, you know, we'll get uh, get our clients to uh, we'll do identity checks, get them to go into a branch, BID. Yep. So there there is some compliance checks around that. Balances, checks yeah. and balances. But you don't need to physically eyeball them. They just need face-to-face with someone that can identify them on your behalf? Well, every bank's got their own their own process. Right. So sometimes we will have to go and identify them right. uh, face-to-face. Sometimes they can go to a post office and do – it's called Zip ID. Yep. Go into a branch and do it with, with 100 points of ID and do yep. a, an identity check. So every bank's got a different sure. a, a different process. Yeah. But generally speaking, there's an identification uh, process, if you like, through yeah. different lenders where – uh, you don't necessarily have to be in the same state as, sure. that, as that client. Yep. Alicia asks, 
how do I know I can trust you? Ooh. See, I, I would probably say to Alicia, how do you know you can trust anyone? That's a good, good it, point. It's yeah. got to be that gut check. Yeah. I mean, Ask questions. if I walk into someone's office or the Skype call and there's gold lions in the background and everyone's in silk clothes and a suit, yep. like, and it's, it feels greasy or whatever. Like, I don't know. My gut's pretty much going, ooh, something that's like, right It's here. like anything in, in life, isn't exactly. it? Like, so it's a, and people have to feel comfortable with that. We don't pretend to be everything for everyone. We, we're not. So yeah. um, what, you, what we always recommend is if you come and see us, um, have a chat to us, um, get to meet us, but don't feel obliged. You have to go and use us. No. Yeah. Uh, we'll give you the information, yeah. um, but go and go to another mortgage broker. Go to your bank. Mm. Um, get a feel for what what Google you would the, like. Google their name. Yeah, that's a huge one. Yeah. I always do that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. sort of do a bit of a bit of background check. I love to know what people's stories. Ask your yeah. friends what mortgage broker they've used and if they're happy with them. And that's and most of our look, most of our referrals will come from our existing clients. Yeah. So that's that's the way it works. So if you look after one person, um, yeah. And I think uh, it's yeah. not not a not so much a trust thing. It's all almost a personality thing. Can you relate yeah. to the people yeah. that you're dealing with, experts in your corner? So yeah. and if you can't, then find someone you can, I reckon. Because mm. otherwise right. it makes the, the journey a bit harder. Yeah. And that's why it's important to I mean people think going to see, you know, John or going to see you, Glenn, or going to see your mortgage broker, it's about um it's it's just as much about us getting to know the client and yeah. what because people people have got different goals. Um, we need to know a bit of background about what people yeah, do I, for the, in their lives. But I think it's so much more than how do I know if I can trust a mortgage broker. I think it's not even that. It's like if I went to an accountant, a new accountant, to a new solicitor, to a new dentist, to a new osteopath, to a new physio, to a new chiropractor. Do you want to keep going? No. Okay. To a new whatever, right? They could be well-established, good brand, fantastic image, but if they're patronizing to me, not keen. Yeah. If I feel that they're being sexist or misogynist to my partner or whatever, probably not keen. Yeah. So, I think it's just always have a healthy piece of skepticism in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And I think don't, that comes back don't commit overnight. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same. It's even with the, the, the people we deal with in terms of our conveyances. I mean, John and uh, I was, our relationship, I met John about five years ago through sounds, a mutual mate. Sounds yeah. cute. Um, <laughs> we hit it off right away. Well, you know? but, but. Sean's actually John's broker, if anyone's wondering. <laughs> but if. Um, Is he your biggest pain in the ass client? <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably is but um you know you meet different people and that and you have to actually relate to those people have similar values um and that tends to that tends to work and the other thing is <laughs> to be honest with you i mean you want to be able to hang out with good people as well there's not enough hours in the day so yeah. well, <laughs> that becomes yeah. important as well so on that note i might uh, leave it here <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah thanks we'll run to when you were going yeah <laughs> brendan asks this is an interesting one and I probably should have given you notice on this question. Not on the running sheet. There's no running sheet over there. No, that's why. Brendan asks, what's the most important question that someone should ask a mortgage broker? That's a great question. That's a great question. 
But what, but what question would you ask? So, um, so is he saying for his own situation, or is he trying generally. to choose a mortgage broker? Mm. I don't know. This yeah. is the okay. the magic of podcasting. Yeah, cool. It can go anywhere. That's it. Let's take it there. I'll, I'll, I think a great question to ask is if I purchase this property, you know, when you work out the borrowing capacity and you work out the numbers, how is this going to impact my lifestyle? So, and there's a number of factors that come into that because most people, um, if they're buying a property, they still want to be able to do the things that they enjoy doing. Yeah, just because I own a property doesn't mean I don't want to go on holidays anymore. Exactly. I don't want to sit and eat bread and rice in the corner. And uh, so it's about, okay, you might work through some scenarios. What are you paying rent at the moment? You're going to buy an owner-occupied property that's going to be replacing your rent with a mortgage and looking, working through that and working through your goals and your holidays and things like that and your cash flow position, which I know you're, you do a lot of work with, with, with your clients, Glenn. So it's, um, I think that's a really good question to say because people are worried about when we spoke about before about when you're borrowing a large sum of money for the first time, that's a big step. But the number one thing is how is that going to impact my lifestyle? Yeah, and it, it flows to like if I went to a mortgage broker and they're like, oh, hey, Glenn, you can, you can borrow a million dollars. So I'm running around looking for a million dollar house because that's the max I can borrow. But you're right. If I, just because I can doesn't mean I should. Mm. So it's, it's a good question. Mm. What would you want to ask a mortgage broker, John? Well, I took the question as though I'm assessing which mortgage broker to use yeah. yep. based on the previous question, I suppose. So I would go along the lines of one of the first questions I would ask is um, how often does that mortgage broker deal with um, my age group and and the type of properties that I'm maybe looking at, whether it's owner-occupier yep. or investment, and do you invest in property yourself? Because I think that goes a long way to – to saying, well, this person in my corner is experienced and got their hands dirty themselves in the field that I'm actually walking into. Yep, that's good. And even um, give us some examples where you've helped people in our situation yeah. buy a property. Correct. But actually, because people like hearing about real stories. Yeah. So, and there's so many case studies about, um, you know, when someone comes to see you in a certain position. Mm. Uh, you've helped them get to a certain position. Well, let's talk about, you know, how that happened. Yeah. Um, so I think that's um, yeah, that's in, that's important. Um, and maybe even to say, give us three references. Yeah. People we can call that have dealt with you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. Going back to that question before, um, your best references are your clients, people that you've helped in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And and um, usually. The three you give probably aren't going to be your worst clients. Um, oh, that's probably true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it gives you a starting point at least, doesn't it? Um, the fact that you can reel three off is a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't got any clients yet, but when I do, yeah. I'll uh, – do you want to be on my first one? I'll let you know. Um, I just think Googling people. Uh, Grace. Who are you Googling at the moment? <laughs> you don't want to know. Does it cost more, Grace says, does it cost more in interest to have an offset account? So I guess I'm translating that in terms of a vanilla mortgage, which is we just take two grand out of your other account over there every month and it's off the shelf and bam. What are the trade-offs in fees with features and benefits and is it worth paying more fees or packages for certain? So I don't know if it speaks to flexibility 
Yeah, the rates, the rates with a variable offset loan and a basic variable are very similar, um, but a offset account usually comes with an annual package fee. That's about probably an extra allow for an extra three ninety five four hundred dollars a month, and then you factor in how much a money month or a year. year. A month Sorry, a year. year. Did I say? <laughs> you yeah. said a month. I'm like, oh wow, he's got to find a new broker job. That's, that's expensive. <laughs> no, sorry. It's changed my savings plan so, quite considerably. Yeah. <laughs> so it does vary the the end, but there's an annual package fee, I should say, not mm. a monthly package fee. And uh, then you just factor in, yeah. you know, what are you going to save with an offset versus what are you going to save not paying the annual fee? And I mean, whatever way it's polished with the banks, whether it's a annual fee or a 0.1 percent more interest, generally you can't beat a bank. There's like there's always trade-offs, isn't there? And I don't think, and that's why we need to lead with strategy. Yeah, I want to buy this property over here. I want to live in it for three years. Then I'm going to move out of that, and then going to buy the home that we'll raise the family in. So that strategy might mean well, we need an offset account mm. versus I want to. I've just had five kids, and I want to buy a nest to bring them up in or whatever. I don't yep. know what I'm talking about. Oh, it shouldn't Which, cost that much a nest these yeah. days, should it? <laughs> but I mean, it, but it all goes back to strategy. Absolutely. And, 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 and part of that strategy is finding a bank that is going to work for you long term as well, depending on, you know, you might earn commission income, bonus income. Yeah. There's some banks that are much more favourable. So you, you're most likely going to probably end up at one of those banks down the track, even though the rate might be 0.1 or 0.2%. Yeah. era yeah. Uh, more expensive at the start but the benefit in that is it's going to allow you to do more things and um, might complement your st- long-term strategy a lot better than yeah you know some of these and a good broker will ask that question won't they what is your long-term outcome if you're looking at a second property when's that going to be all those sort of things and and you and I were talking off air about um, the different lenders at the moment and their time frames of getting back and getting pre-approvals in in place like they they range at the moment from four hours to four weeks. I wish I could mention some names of banks. Yeah, so I'd be blacklisted like, though. <laughs> Citibank is rubbish. I know that. Um, Suncorp terrible. Like, <laughs> is this what is this what you're talking about, John? Who told you that, John? <laughs> I just uh, I googled them both. Yeah. No, but yeah, no. That's this time of year. It's um um yeah. The banks get swamped because everyone's trying to settle before. Yeah. Christmas. Oh, and so all servicing, all service goes out the window, maybe. Yeah, well, well, they just swamped. So, so they what happens is their service levels um, blow out. So, yeah. generally, if you lodge a pre-approval with a bank, they might take a week. Yeah. At this time of year, they might take three or four weeks. Okay. So it's just being transparent. I'm going to jump yes. in there. You said the magic P word. Uh, little James, I can't even read half these names on Instagram. Why is it an issue to keep? renewing a pre-approval one lender tried to tell me it is so talk to us about this set the scene with pre-approval first and then swing around to why is it a pain in the ass factor is it a lazy broker is it actually an issue does it put an inquiry in your credit talk to us about pre-approval process well pre-approval will last three months and most people realistically don't buy a property within three months so and then you can extend it out for another three months so do i need a pre-approval to start with, if I want to buy my first home? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. I would never... Well, you don't physically, do you? Technically, you don't. You could find the house first and then go and get your finance, but it'd just be lagging, wouldn't it? Well, 
you're making the assumption that you're definitely going to get finance because otherwise yeah. if your finance for some reason isn't approved yeah after you purchase you're 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 in chance of defaulting and losing a deposit so yeah the other thing um with doing a pre-approval is you can go and make an offer on a place unconditionally yes. which is a lot stronger than making a offer subject to finance and feeling yeah. confidently not painting your freaking self into a corner yeah absolutely yeah. so i would I would always encourage our clients yep. and we would always look at arranging a pre-approval. But back to you, your question, Glenn, six, so about six months and then if it does expire, then we would just lodge another one. So that's really, let's say that's two inquiries over 12 months. That's not going to be a blemish on your, on, credit your credit, on your credit file. It's when you're doing six or seven, you know, so you're going through do two or three different banks and you're doing lots of inquiries. But if you're doing a... Uh, lodging a pre-approval once every six months. And if it is with the same bank, they should know that, you know, it's not an actually an issue. Exactly right. So, okay, so in terms of I've come to you at the start of the year, Sean, I've got a pre-approval for my $500,000 townhouse over here. Um, didn't happen. The pre-approval's expired and I come back to you. Much more paperwork involved or... Because I'm just... I just want to get at like, is this person being told... From a broker, it's, oh, it's, don't worry, it's too much. Is it because they're being lazy and it's a lot of work and they're not getting paid for that or no guarantee of income? Or is it just an update of refresher of data no, for the so, bank? No, no, I can understand. So what would, in that, in that scenario there, we'd say we've already done a pre-approval. Now, the, as a broker, I would say if we don't want to lodge another pre-approval, has your circumstance changed at all from your previous when we lodged before? No, it hasn't. What are you saving? So we just do some checks and balances and we just do some serviceability checks and stuff and say, look, I'm now I'm confident for you to go and purchase and we could still lodge because we've already done credit checks, we've already done the checks and balances, um, but, but, but we will generally still do lodge another pre-approval which would, for another six months because eventually when you – um, they do when you do purchase a property. We're going to need updated pay slips and that. So why don't we might as well get them all at the start, get that pre-approval, and it'll stop any emotional angst of, oh, we've put an offer in and the pre-approval's been delayed because it's Christmas time and blah 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 blah. But it's probably about just being active in your circumstance. And I would say if you've got a broker who's whinging and moaning to you, like I don't want to. De- There's a lot of good brokers out there, but nah. I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I agree. I and, the, and one thing that appealed to to me when I chose Sean back in the day was his can-do attitude. Let's bust down some walls to get a loan. Mm. Not this is all too hard for me. I'm going to walk away and find mm. myself an easier client. Yeah. <laughs> Not to say it was hard, but you know what I mean. You you either can do or, or you can't. Like the clients that you mentioned before, who bought the townhouse in Brisbane, like they could have easily sat sat back and looked at their finances and said no. We're years away, but it's uh, where there's a will, there's a way. If you've got the attitude to, to get it done, you can you can make a lot of things happen, can't you? Absolutely, and it's going to be work you're going to have to do anyway, so why not just do it at the start, get the pre-approval in place Yeah. Um, because you've done all the groundwork then. And it just uh, takes the pressure off for everyone. And really, if you are the broker, I would imagine, would you rather have a time-critical pre-approval when they've signed a form on the weekend or have a little bit more breathing space in your office oh i mean i would rather get rid of the time critical uh, drama if people come to us with a contract 
new clients subject to finance and it's got like a seven-day clause on it. Yeah. Um, you got to go and get all the information. You do it, you do the best you can, but it does put time pressure and on. And this is it. If their situation is loose and dodgy and you've had to go to a second or third tier lender that's got a that you know you can get them finance, you know it's not the best deal short term, but at least you can get them in the property and then we'll get their finance situated situation sorted in three years time we'll swing back around and refire them in a yeah if that lender that we have to use for this unique situation is a pain they ask to deal with you get hung out to dry as the broker but it's out of your control if that client doesn't see that it's not in your and, control and i think that's like and yep. and not again pumping his tires but what sean will do is pre-frame that and say well let's go and use abc lender their interest rate's a bit higher but it's either them or sit on your hands for two years, understand there may be a few pain points. Are you prepared for that? Mm. Absolutely. And some people will say, no, I'm happy to pay a higher rate mm. for 12 or 18 month period. Some people will say, well, no, I want to, um, I don't want to, I don't want to use that product and that they might, you know, wait, wait six or 12 months, but a lot, lot easier to do that and go through that process at the start before they put a contract, mm. to, contract to sale in front yeah. of you. Sure. Uh, WH Frost says, how are bonus schemes received by lenders when assessing serviceability? So when we talk about serviceability people, that's how is the loan being serviced? How is it being repaid? To service a loan, it's repayment. Is that a fair statement? That's right. Yep. So for example, Sean, I'm on an 80K base uh, and I've been on an 80K base for the last four years. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I get a 20K bonus. It's been pretty consistent over the last three years. Yep. Uh, la this year I got a 20 grand bonus. Last year I didn't. The year before was 15 grand. How do you build that story to the lender with the bonus? Because correct me if I'm wrong, with different lenders, is it about building the story to give to the person underwriting the loan to work within the bank guidelines? That's right. Like, so, is there art involved in this? Yeah, so, so you're... So 100% of your income that's included is your base, you know, your base salary that you, in, you get every week. The other incomes or the incomes that, that come under other categories are things like bonus income, uh, commission income, um, rental income on investment properties. That's not included generally at 100%. So if the banks shade that income and they generally use 80% of that income and they need a historical um, some historical evidence so the, on, on your existing pay slip but also they might look at your PAYG summary for the previous 12 months to know that it's something that's got a, got a history and it's just not some, a one-off bonus. So that's how they'll assess that income. Now, if is that like an – I'll just make something up here. Is that an APRA-regulated or enforced rule to each bank or can there be different lenders that have different guidelines about adding back – bonus or different 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 banks will have different sure. guidelines so, so i guess absolutely. what i'm getting to it's yeah. like this is why you can't just go down to bank a on the corner because you walk past it every day you go to a broker who knows what's going on but generally 80 percent is a if, if you put a blanket over the policy that would be that would fit with most lenders there's some lenders so there's some purely some professions that rely 100 percent on commission mm. or 100 percent not so much bonus, um, and there's some professions that overtime is a normal part of your industry. Like if you're if you're a, like nurse, a nurse, yeah, yeah, correct. So 
there's banks that will look at that as 100% because that's a normal part of your regular income. Yep. Sure. Do you like being a broker? I really enjoy it. Yeah. Yep. That wasn't it. It was just me wondering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like anything, most, most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that was it. It's like when I deal with a professional, can I actually share a story? It's your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As long as it's true. Yeah. I'll, I'll share this story. Hang on. Can we cut you off if it's no good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll cut you off by pressing mute. <laughs> so, you know the... Two minutes. Yeah. And then we'll get the hell out of here. Clock's ticking. Because this is what I, I'm, I'm going to drive it home. Drive right? it I'm up. I'm going to drive this thing home. Yeah. Put a Lexus in it. So, when... Hang on, that, that's half the story. I'll, uh, this is... So, the, got your Volvo? Yeah. I kept both of them. <laughs> yeah. Are you on my case? <laughs> All right. So, my roller door... Do you know the electric roller door in your garage, right? Right invention. Love it. it. Last year, it started beeping and flashing, which I'm like, oh, great, here we go. I Googled it, needs a service. I'm like, okay, well, it's still working, so I just kind of reset it you myself. Have a, you have a possum stuck in there or something? Yeah. <laughs> so, I just went up, you know, held down the button, did what it did, reset it, got it with my life couple of months ago, started beeping and I'm thinking, oh, it's got, obviously got a, a yearly thing in it that goes off to yeah. get it serviced. So, I actually needed another remote opener and there's a place that I, I go to and I went in there and, you know, pulled up in the Lexus. So, you know, pulled up and I don't know if they thought, oh, this guy, he's got, you know, heaps of money or something. <laughs> then I go in and go, oh, hey, mate, I need a... Um, I just need a, a remote clicker yeah. for the for the garage door. He goes, oh, what type have you got? And I said, oh, here you go. I showed him the photo. And he goes, oh, yeah, $55. That was all good. And then I said, oh, question. What? It, it's beeping at the moment? Like, what's the go? Is it just, I know it's like a service thing. Anyway, the other guy came out as well. And it was actually, I loved it because basically what happened... These guys were so passionate about the garage door opening <laughs> yeah. thing, right? And I almost walked out with five new garage doors. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, but I said, oh, what's the go? Can I just reach? Oh, no, no, no. You got to get it serviced. You best probably to get us out there. We'll, we'll make sure it's all balanced and yeah. you don't want it to overcook and, you know, be out of balance and break. And I pretty much was like... <laughs> oh, how much is a new one? They're like, oh, $800. And I'm thinking to myself, I'll just keep going. When it breaks, I'll get a new one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but what the I'm getting at is... 300. Yeah. And so what I'm getting at is these guys in their industry, they were so passionate yeah. about garage doors. And I can tell you one thing. Guess where I'm going when the motor breaks? I'm going back to those yeah, guys. Yeah, true. No. <laughs> because yeah. they were so passionate. Yeah. And I walked out feeling guilty that I didn't get them to come and look at it. Yeah. And I know that, you know, as a professional, there are probably, and there's hello to all the garage door installs out there listening, <laughs> but you're, you're probably thinking, oh, you're a dickhead, Glenn. There could have been something wrong with it. Yeah. But you hear what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. I don't want to go to a garage door guy when I ask a question, it's a drama. Yeah. It's just his job. Yeah. Oh, no, this. should be passionate about it. So... Sean, are you the garage door opener for mortgage brokers? <laughs> <laughs> it just took a, it took just, a while to get well, to the punchline. I thought you were yeah. like, what no, the hell has this got to do with what well, we're talking gonna, about? I, th I think um, 
like most people that I've come across that are very good at their job, have a passion for their industry, yeah. and that and, I don't, and you can you can only pretend for so long. Mm. Yeah, um, and it might not be, for example, in the mortgage broking industry, like there's a lot of numbers and and there's parts of the process like any job yeah. that's not that enjoyable. Yeah, that's just the reality. But the interaction with different people, hearing their story, that's yeah. the part that I enjoy. Yeah, with the job and just just helping people, and you do tend to forget sometimes. That uh, we deal with a number of clients from different backgrounds, um, different circumstances. Yeah. But for them, this is one of the biggest transactions of yeah. their life. Mm. They're gonna um, feel special, don't they? So yeah. um, you, you have to be remember that. I thought that's a very good story, by the way. But I Thanks, thought Sean. I was thinking. I thought, do you do that with your clients? It's like, do we put like an ankle bracelet that goes beep? You better check your rate <laughs> off every twelve months or something. You put them on GPS and know where they are. <laughs> Did you enjoy pre-season when you were an elite athlete? Um, when I was fit, I really enjoyed it, John. When yeah. I came back <laughs> not in great condition, it was hell. <laughs> so for those who are into sport and stuff, mm. so Sean Wellman, who did you play for, the Swans? Oh. <laughs> big, big footy fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I played. Uh, he, lo- uh, he knows uh, all his garage door. Yeah. Quite, yeah. Um, is that a no? <laughs> uh, I played. Uh, I played predominantly at Essendon. I played two right. years at Adelaide, the Crows, and then I played nine years at Essendon, mm-hmm. a Melbourne, Melbourne based club. Hawks, Essendon Hawks. Uh, bombers. Come on. This is the Hey, that's the Hawks. Yes. That's the enemy. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Hide all the Hawk supporters out there. Well, yeah. Hawkies, not your fault. So if you do want any other, we're out of time, but I think that was just good to just have a chat for the first home buyer, talk about mortgages. Uh, I don't know if we did any groundbreaking podcasting here. There's no offense on you. <laughs> Jeez, I'm flat now, you yeah. bitch. <laughs> but it's just a discussion and I just want to encourage you uh, the best time to chat to a mortgage broker is when you've got time just to see which way the wind's blowing. Exactly and right. So, well, if you are in Melbourne and you want to actually uh, book in and actually just have a coffee with Welly, uh, wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3. You can jump on there. Um, his details are there. Uh, if you want a phone consult or a Skype, reach out still. If you don't want to if you want to deal with someone face-to-face, do that as well. So, it's all good. Absolutely. So, but uh, thanks, Sean, for supporting My Millennial Money Property. And if you haven't heard that podcast, jump over and have a listen. It's a lot of fun. And we've got some cool stuff coming in 2020. Thanks very much, Glenn. Thanks, John. He's gone. <laughs> he walked out of the room. <laughs> where, are you, where are you going, John? <laughs> all right. Bye. How does appreciation feel to you? A rising rush of warmth? A building wave of confidence? At Reward Gateway Edenred, we know appreciation appreciates in value. Starting with people, radiating through companies to transform their performance and productivity. Capture the power of appreciation 
with our total employee experience platform. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.